0: For those of you that haven't been here for the last week or two, or uh, have just come back to join us, uh, I see a couple part-timers out there that have rejoined us, it's a blessing to have you here. Uh, We are doing a series on the Ten Commandments, something I did about 25 years ago here. And um, it's, it's interesting because back when I was a kid, so many people knew the Ten Commandments, could say the Ten Commandments, and today, not so much. If I were to ask you the Ten Commandments, I won't put any of you on the spot. Could you recite them? Some of you could. And it's something that you know. But it's amazing how many people don't and really sometimes confuse the Ten Commandments or not sure exactly what one of them means or how it has an impact on our lives today. Last week we talked about, I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. Well, we kind of have a sense of what that means, but what it's really saying is there's a lot of, quote-unquote, gods competing for your attention, your affection, your belief, the gods of false religions. And so you're not to put any of those in the place of God over and over again. God saying, I am The Lord your God and it's interesting because Jesus would then go on to say if you've seen me you've seen the father in other words if you want to get an incarnational real picture of who God is and what God looks like you look at the person of Jesus Christ and how he lived and what he said and dying for us you get a sense of God's love you get a sense of God's holiness but Jesus is the picture of God. And one of the most wonderful places that we really see this in print is Hebrews chapter 1. Let me read this for you. It's verse 1. Long ago God spoke to our ancestors in many and various ways by the prophets. So he's giving his spirit through the prophets to talk about who he is and what he's like and what that means for our lives. But in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he created the worlds. He is the reflection of God's glory and the exact imprint of God's very being. The exact imprint. Jesus is God. So if you want to see God, you look at Jesus. Not that God doesn't reveal himself throughout the Old Testament, but that revelation is complete in his Son, Jesus Christ. And so we get a sense, and Jesus says, I and the Father are one. That they're part of the Trinity, they're a reflection of each other, they share their nature. And the other gods, in a sense, would be a creation of someone's imagination, or an it. Because in many ways, when we think of other gods, we think of idols, and idols we think of as its. Whereas we think of God as person, we think of Jesus Christ as person. And when we do, we have this more of an understanding of this personal relationship, this love relationship, which Scripture talks about. The summary of the commandments is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbors yourself. It's this love. But when we see the commandments in play, it's about holiness played out in our lives. The two natures of God coming together. And so when we come to this whole idea of you shall not make for yourself a graven image, the second commandment. A lot of people just throw that into the mix with the first commandment and just move on. You know, it really has little impact today because what people think of as graven images are these little idols that, you know, well, I really don't believe in a little idol. So we've, we don't really pay attention to what the idol stands for. Because it's not just about the idol itself, it's what the idol stands for. And Jesus would make reference to who or what is the Lord of your life in various and sundry ways. We see this, for example, when he clears the temple in the gospel reading for today. Because you have made my house a house of thieves. In other words, it's not just about what they're doing, it's about a reflection of, what is the God of their life? Their God, at that point, is greed. They're all about getting money however they can. And so they use corrupt means, they turn the, the court of the temple, the court of the Gentiles at the temple, a place where people are to seek God into a place to steal people's money. So what became their God? It wasn't the God of Israel. It was what we would call today the almighty dollar. Jesus would say you can't serve God in money. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. See, that's really the point, isn't it? That when you begin to think about images, graven images, it's really what the image reflects. It's really what the image is about. And how it has an impact on our hearts, our minds, our lives, because what we take in and we hold on to and believe, we will live out. And that's exactly what was going on with the Pharisees. You know, think about some of the things that we talk about in our culture that are imitations of something else. Imitation leather, leather. Imitation leather. Well... Is it leather? No. It's an imitation of leather. It's not imitation leather. Isn't it? It doesn't smell like leather. It might look like it in appearance, but it doesn't have the same qualities and characteristics of leather. Let's talk about something that really, in our culture, loves to reflect an image that really may not be very true. Facebook. And I'm not kidding you when I tell this. I know, I know. I don't have Facebook, Meredith does. But I know that there are couples who have been at each other's throats and five minutes later they're on Facebook, look where we are, and it's so wonderful and they're smiling and it's such a false image. It's not true. And yet what do we lift up? See, we want to portray a certain image of ourselves that may or may not be true. The media portrays images of certain famous people. And then down the road, sometimes, the real truth comes out about who these people really are. And we say, can you believe it? And the answer is, yes. Why? Why? Because so much of what they believe about the world and they believe about life and they live for will lead to certain other aspects of how we live in the world. See, that's the point of idols. It's not so much the idol itself as much as what the idol will lead to. And see, we create them. We make them the God of our life. We might have representatives out there that we hold on to that allow us to live into that, that allow us to believe that, to adhere to that, so that we can live a certain way. And so in the Old Testament, we have these graven images. Graven images are carved wood or metal or stone. Graven, carved. So that's what we're talking about here. But it's not just the image itself. And when the Lord was speaking to Israel and actually giving them the Ten Commandments then warning them as they go into the Promised Land the kind of people that they're going to encounter and the kind of beliefs, therefore, that could creep into their lives that's going to impact how they live. Let me give you some examples of those idols that had an impact on Israel and you can see it throughout Scripture and the warning of the prophets. One is a, is a god called Moloch. Moloch was a god that was uh, around the Canaanite region. Canaanite god, so to speak. And what Moloch was famous for was several things about power, about sex. Most of these gods are about, you know, like free sex, whatever kind you want. And um, and Child sacrifice, human sacrifice. That was the huge abomination of those who believed in Moloch. Why would you even think that's okay? Why would you do that? And yet, think about how people have sacrificed their families, their children, for the sake of success or power, or an illicit sexual relationship. See what happens? How we can serve those other gods, those desires, those appetites. Paul writes about that in Romans 16. He talks about, you know, the real God here is your appetite, your lusts. Second, the Ashtaroth or the Asherah, goddesses of fertility and power and war. How violence is used in our culture. Again, going back to sex is used in our culture. You know, it's amazing when you begin to look at these gods and what they allowed Israel to slip into because it was so attractive to them to then go and do what they wanted by their desires. There was Dagon, a God who would be a God in the Philistines, a God of power, And how we love power in our lives. And how power can be used in various and sundry ways to hurt people. How they talk about power not only in corrupt circles with companies and abusing people, but abusing children. Child porn, sex trafficking, power. People having control over people's lives. You know, see, you just can't see the idol. You see what's behind the idol and what it leads to. Here's a good one. Nehushtan. I love to say that. Nehushtan. Nehushtan wasn't originally a god, small g. Nehushtan was originally something good. When the people of Israel disobeyed and poisonous serpents came in while they were wandering in the wilderness, God said to Moses, make a bronze serpent, put it up on a pole, and when people gaze at it, they'll be healed. Which Jesus himself in John chapter chapter 3 says, that's me. If you look on me when I'm lifted up on the cross and believe in me, you will be saved. So Jesus gave the tr- true understanding and interpretation of that. But if you look in Kings, the book of Second Kings, what happened is Nehushtan became an idol. They used it for corrupt purposes. And we can do that in our faith as well. Take an aspect of the faith and say, you know what, I want to believe this about God or about life. And so we hold on to that aspect, case in point. What Nehushtan was really all about was pointing to God. What people began to use it for is a way to manipulate God. Such as, the answer prayer becomes the God of my life, not God himself. If I don't get the answer to the prayer that I want, I'm not going to believe in him any, anymore. I'm going to walk away from him. I'm going to not go to church. I'm not going to pray. That's what we're talking about. Nehushtan was the answer, not the God. The people made it a God. And we can do that in various sundry ways in our lives when it comes to our relationship with God because we don't really love him. We don't really trust him. As long as we have ease and comfort and security and power and whatever pleasures we want, it's amazing how that can become the God of our life and not him. And that's the problem. That's why this graven image, it's not just about the carved image. It's about as the scripture, if you look at the reading from Ezekiel, says, verse 2, verse 4, verse 7. They have taken their idols into their hearts. That's the key. The word graven can also mean deeply impressed firmly fixed. That's another meaning for the word graven. Because it makes the point that whatever this image or idol is that's carved now becomes carved in our hearts because we want to hold on to it. We want to adhere to it. It becomes a part of us. And it draws us away from the true living God. It draws us away from Jesus Christ. We're no longer submitted to him. We're no longer serving him. We're no longer longer loving him. Because love is about commitment. What we do is we become enslaved to whatever God we've created and allowed to be carved into our hearts. And we make that our God. And we serve that. That's why scripture over and over again talks about the bondage of sin and being set free. Going back to the first commandment the God who took you out of the bondage of Egypt, and Jesus Christ who takes us out of the bondage of sin. That's what it means. You know, take addiction. How people fall into addiction because they think this is the answer to their problem. It takes away their pain. And they don't want to feel any pain. It helps them to have fun, and they want to have fun. And slowly they become addicted, or quickly, to the drug or to alcohol. And that idol of wanting to feel that way takes over their lives and they are bound. That's sin. Bondage to sin. You know, when my boys were going through those years I used to say to them, I said, you know, if you drink too much let me tell you what happens. I said, number one, you're unavailable to God. Number two, you're unavailable to other people when they need you. And number three, you will do things that you regret if you drink too much. And that's why I will never drink too much and haven't since I was 19. Because I don't want to be unavailable to God, I don't want to be unavailable to the people around me, particularly people in crisis. And I don't want to do things I'd regret. And isn't it interesting that we put this people feeling good out there and partying as something to be desired? I'm all for having a beer or a glass of wine. Trust me. I serve wine every Sunday. That's not the point. That's not the point. See, that's when it becomes an idol. I deserve this. I should have this. There's the problem. It's carved into our hearts because our culture says so. Because other people say so. What does God say? That's the question. And it's interesting because the last meaning of the word graven is related to the grave, to death. And what do you see over and over in Scripture? The wages of sin is death. There's a way that seems right to a man, and its way is the end of death. That's in Proverbs 14. Over and over again, we see these Scriptures that talk about how when we get bound to sin, there's a slow slide away from the Lord, from real life, from real freedom, from what God wants for us, Real love and relationships with him and with each other. And the end is the way of death. Jesus defeated the power of sin on the cross and the power of death on the cross. When he rose again, he proved it. If we really understand the point of the gospel, he knows what's best for us. See, when we begin to take that back, those idols in our lives, we think we know what's best for us. We say, no, I want to justify this. I want to rationalize this because that idol, that God has taken a hold of our hearts and we want to justify our own hearts instead of seeking him and what his call is on our lives. You know what happens when we adhere to these false gods? We begin to limit the true God and his power in our lives and what he can do with us. We limit him. We subtract from the life that he has designed for us, that's the best, the abundant life. We miss it. We obscure God in our lives. He begins to take a back seat instead of front and center. And we do it in subtle ways and we do it in overt ways. Our culture has such a way of causing us to slide into this. You know, something as subtle As astrology, we read it and say, hmm, that's interesting, maybe I'm like that. You really going to let stones and rocks in the sky and someone's interpretation of where they are determine your personality? Think about that one. Because that's astrology. Psychics. Really? See, we want to trust what someone else is going to say if it sings our tune instead of the God of the universe. The one who loves us and died for us. Superstitions. Man, there's lots of those around. We try to manipulate God and superstitions is one of those ways. This is about loving him with the whole of our being. It's about really, really understanding that God is person. And we can even subtly, even with good things that God has given us in our lives, begin to drift from him. Let me give you some examples of that. I alluded to this last week. Family time. Family time is great. It's important. But when family time supersedes worship or supersedes your time with the Lord, whether it be in the morning or noon or evening... You've missed it because family time is enhanced when we're walking with him and loving with his love. Entertainment, the news, a sporting event. Nothing bad in and of themselves. But when they become the central focus of our lives, we've missed it. You know what an idol in our lives is? And it's so important to so many people. I'm just so busy. I really, you know, don't have time to serve the Lord or to spend time with him. Give me a break. Are you spending every waking hour you have working? If you are, that's an idol because it's about your success. It's about your worldly position. God wants you to have balance in your life. Spending time with Him every day, praying to Him, feeding on His Word. He wants you in worship where your focus is on Him and your family. You know, another one I hear from time to time. I don't mean to point fingers at anyone, so I won't in particular, but we have visitors in town. That's a great witness. You're more important than going and worshiping the Lord. I don't think so. We tell people, come with us. If not, go ahead and sleep in, because we're going. You see how subtle... The world's ways, Satan's ways, that can creep in to draw us away from the Lord. Images. And we send the wrong message to those around us. Jesus said, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. See, because love is about a commitment. That Jesus died on the cross for us so, number one, we could be saved from our sin and the bondage of sin. The bondage of those idols in our lives. So that we would make him the Lord of our lives, not us, not the world, not any idol. And then we would seek to live a loving and holy life because we trust him. Not anything else. Not anyone else. We trust him. In our hearts. Carved into our hearts. Instead of a carved idol. No graven image. Because we trust him. Because we love him. And then we'll love others much more effectively instead of serving those idols. Let's pray. Lord God, subtly and overtly, idols have crept into our lives, around our lives, into our culture. And it's so seductive how we can be drawn away from you, drawn away from your love, drawn away from your freedom and the abundant life and eternal life. Lord, how much you talk about life and life eternal. You came that we might have abundant life, you came that we would have eternal life. And so often we compromise. And even forfeit that life. Lord I pray for those here today. That have never fully understood. That there are no no other gods. That we are to worship you in spirit. And in truth. Not in graven images. Or false gods. Lord for those who have never understood that. Help them to see you today. As the one who died for them and rose again the power over sin and death. That you would be their Savior and Lord and for others, Lord, that we would eliminate any temptation, any desire, any false idol that has crept into our minds, our hearts, our lives so that we would worship and serve you and love you only, the one true God. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.